welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to Syosset Library's Turn the Page podcast. I am Jessica. I will be hosting you today, and I'm really excited to have uh, this author on our podcast today. Um, this is one of the twistiest, craziest books I have read in a very long time. Um, so why don't you introduce yourselves, tell everybody who you are and about this book. Okay. I'm Sherry LaPena, and I'm the author of several number one international bestsellers. Um, my latest book is called Everyone Here is Lying, and that's what we're talking about today. Um, it's a twisty page turner about a nine-year-old girl, Avery, who goes missing from the family home. And um, she's home because she got sent home from school for misbehaving. She's not supposed to be at home. And her father is supposed to be at work, but he's actually been off with his lover who's just dumped him. So he comes home to be alone and unexpectedly finds his difficult child there. And they get into an argument and he hits her. And then uh, not long after that, the brother comes home and can't find her. And the girl's missing and the police start to investigate. And uh, everybody in this book has something to hide. So I thought that um, it was it was a good way to start the book. You start the book really with the affair. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Avery goes missing directly after. So, you know, you already know um, some secrets that are... Mm -hmm that are happening you know um you know that william has just been dumped um and uh you know he's he's obviously uh not too happy about that um but you know you you know uh nora is also nora is also hiding something because uh she is you know obviously having an affair um she would she she she'd like to think of herself as more of an upstanding person who would not be this type of person, <laughs> but she, uh, she is having an affair with William and, um, you know, they both have families. Um, they both are, at least Nora seems aware that this situation could be harmful to her family. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, William's got his own thing going on and, there's just so many characters that sort of add to the layers of the story. Um, both Nora and William have a son and a daughter. Uh, they both have their own secrets. Um, and it, it's really just a nice web of, you know, um, following that, following the secrets to figure out what's going on. So I think like one of my first things I want to do is first of all, congratulations, this book is great. Um, everybody's talking about it. I was actually just in the break room at work. One of my coworkers was reading it. And I was like, I get to talk to the author in a few minutes. Very exciting. <laughs> uh, but, you know, with with all of your books, um, and this one, how do you sort of decide where the characters are standing and what they're hiding and, you know, what the flow of, I don't want to say the flow of deceit, but the flow of twists and turns is going to be, because I imagine that that must be very difficult to kind of keep track of all of the um, left and right turns. Um, you know, funnily enough, it's not hard to keep track of it. I, I, I can, I can, I seem to be able to hold the whole book in my head pretty easily, which 
I think is good because I might stave off dementia as I get older. Um, it's like learning a language. But um, I, I don't um, I don't know how to explain how I do it. Like I, I, I don't plan it out. So it grows as I write it. And then I somehow do manage to keep all the threads in my head because as I'm writing this character over here, something will occur for that when I go to the next character, I'll pick it up and go with something from that character there. So I don't know how I keep it all in my head, but somehow I do. And I don't have anything written down and follow this path and follow that path because I don't know what those paths are. But um, I do manage to keep it straight somehow. I have to say, I definitely applaud you. So you don't have like um, a Shari LaPena uh, murder board where you go in. No, and no. And you're just like, oh, okay. So I don't. Follow Michael today, but we no. have to look in on Derek. It's all. It's that's amazing that you have like um, that. You know, it's like you have this um, action movie going on in your mind, yeah. and you're able to remember all the plot points. I know. Well, I, I I have been told before that I should have a murder wall. You know, Claire McIntosh told me to have a murder wall. And I, I did do that. I did put up a big piece of paper and I did try and get the, the post-it notes on, but I couldn't think of anything to happen. I just, I can't think that way. Um, you know, if, if I have these two characters and, you know, the dad hits the daughter, I can't think about what happens in the middle of the book. I have no idea. Because unless those characters take me there, I don't know what's going to happen. So I guess my next question is, um, did you know who done it in the very beginning? Were you like, did you know you knew where point A was going to begin? But did you know what exactly had happened when you started writing the book? Or did the characters just sort of bring you there? Yeah, I never know the ending when I begin. I don't even know the ending in the middle. I don't usually know the ending until the very end. Um, this one was a little different because there's sort of a big twist. Um, but generally I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. I I love that. Um, you know, it's so funny the terms plotter and pantser have come up so much. I I personally refer to um what some people say pantser is a MacGyver writer. You know, yes. <laughs> solve the problems as they arise. Yes. Solve the yeah. problems as they arrive with the tools mm -hmm. that you have. And yeah. um, I think that it really lends itself to a very suspenseful story, especially, you know, I think that, um, and that's not to say, you know, there are books that are very well plotted out that I love. But I think you can definitely feel immediacy when mm -hmm. the reader, no, like when the writer, I should say, seems to be hearing the characters tell their story as it's happening. Um, and mm -hmm. I got a lot of that. You know, there was a lot of um, there were a lot of characters that I ended up just really liking uh, a lot of characters I didn't realize were really going to be significant um I really liked Avery's brother I thought he was interesting mm -hmm. um, you know I liked I liked reading him I should say yeah. yeah um you know uh I thought that he was a very interesting character um I thought that there was a lot of depth to everything and even you know one thing I I kind of picked up on and I don't want to give too many spoilers but um, you do mention, or rather it is mentioned, and it is known in the story that um, Avery 
had a lot of trouble in school and she didn't have a lot of friends. And there's an interaction with a girl who she did consider her friend and her fa- uh, the girl's family. And the girl's family, like, the the um the father is like oh i think that girl was a bad influence on our daughter and you know it really was like it felt so real that real. i would <laughs> scream at him and be like hey you know like this is a nine-year-old child like and clearly things are not right like m- maybe you should looking like not necessarily blaming Avery maybe you should be like what is the situation that this kid is in Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it felt very real I just again I loved it Um, did you did did new characters introduce themselves to you as you were writing yes they did Um, well so okay so we start off with a couple of the affair Obviously, the mother of the child comes in. Obviously, the detectives come in. The brother comes in, and I found him interesting as well because he feels very responsible. He's supposed to walk her home, um, and he feels really responsible and guilty because he's the very well-behaved child. And quite often in families, you'll see you know, siblings, and one will be very well-behaved and one won't. And they take on a lot of – he took on a lot of the um, – stress in the family I think and felt very responsible and very devastated by everything that's going on and very afraid he's in a very difficult spot because he has to talk to the police and he doesn't really want to tell what's been going on in the family and yeah he was interesting and so he came along and then the 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 woman who's having the affair with William I wanted to look at her family and when I started I had no idea what her family situation was except that she had children and she wanted to break off the affair because she didn't want her family finding out and then I started you know going around in her head and thinking well why is she why is she unhappy in her marriage and then I I start to look into that and I find things out and she grows from there so I liked how their family has seemed to mirror each other mm-hmm. in a way like again I liked that you know it's like here are these two people and they're both a parent of a son and a daughter. And, you know, I think that in a way it did kind of, it did kind of add to sort of like looking at one family and then looking at the other family and being like, well, they're very similar and maybe there are things that brought them together, but also they've got their own thing going on. They're um, also very different. Yeah. Yes. There's no, two, no two families are alike. They're all completely different. The dynamics in any family is different from the dynamics in any other family. And that's what makes it so interesting. They're all so different. And the more people in the family, the more dynamics that are going on and, and the more people interact, the more can go terribly wrong. So and it did. Yeah. They always <laughs> do with me, right? So I guess one other thing I just kind of want to talk about is, um, you know, the police part of it. Uh, The detectives, was one voice stronger for you than the other? And, you know, how, how was it, I mean, how was it writing a story where your characters are hiding things from you, the writer, and you're finding them, but also you have to write the detectives that are trying to figure those things out. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's tricky because, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, the detectives, uh, to answer your first question, Gully, the female detective who's more junior 
was the one that I most identified with. And I wanted her being the younger one. Um, she was the well, really the smarter of the two. And that was pretty apparent to everyone right off the bat. She was the more experienced, the more, more intelligent. You, you think that she's going to solve the case. But I don't want to give any spoilers away, so I can't say what I was going to say. <laughs> um, but yes, she's interesting. And but but my focus is generally on they're not police procedurals. There are police in there um, examining what's going on. But my focus is more on the other people involved in the crime. And but I, I need those detectives there to put this intense pressure on the families involved. And it's fun to go along with them and see if they can figure things out. I like that. That's really cool. Um, and I didn't want, I didn't mean to prod you into any, uh, into any spoilers. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, another just thing, how, how do you keep the, um, how do you keep writing suspense fresh? Um, you know, how do you keep, it's, um, I mean, it's one of my favorite genres uh thrillers domestic thrillers um and you know some sometimes i think um you assume that you've you've done it all you've seen it all um in your mind you know as you're writing these stories how do you how do you keep it fresh how do you decide well i'm not going to reuse a trope or a plot point mm -hmm. um or do you just find that it happens I think that is the hardest thing about writing thrillers now is that it's hard to come up with a really original idea or premise. Everything's been done. So it's really tricky. And I've now done a missing baby and a missing nine-year-old. Um, that's the hardest thing. But then I remind myself that every, every, if you look at true crime, every, every murder case, there's a, you know, maybe a, a dead body. There's someone who's been murdered, but every true crime story is so interesting in its own details. That's what makes it really, really fascinating. So I think that the key is just to develop a story that has such interesting, unique details. And that's what keeps it fresh. It's how you tell the story. Because, you know, every every thriller basically is about a murder, um, a murder or a disappearance. And how do you keep it fresh? Well, you just have to keep it very, very unique and very interesting details. Do you have a favorite character that you feel just kind of walked off with the book? In this book? Um, I don't know that I have a favorite. I, I did like Avery quite a lot. Um, I liked William. I liked Nora. I liked them all. I even liked Nora's husband. I, I, I And I liked the boy. I, I liked them all. Yeah. Um, if I don't like a character, if I don't enjoy being in their head and find them really interesting, they usually disappear. Like if I'm writing a, a, a thread of someone that isn't working, like I'm not really invested, then that person disappears and I find some other way. By disappears, do you mean you kill them? Or just not part no, of them? No, no, no. Like occasionally, and this doesn't happen very often, I'll start off in a line of a character um who doesn't make it into the final book. Like I'll start off, I'll do a couple scenes in the point of view of that person. And if I'm finding they're not speaking to me and they're not going anywhere, they're not coming up with anything interesting, then I just, I just delete them and I find another character to go with. 
did they ever pop up in any subsequent stories? No. Well, I had the same detective in my first two books. Um, but then, no, they don't pop up again. Although I'm thinking, you know, maybe they should. I don't know. I might do a sequel of something someday. I've had lots of requests for sequels. But I would imagine you'd kind of need that spark because you seem to, uh, you know, when you when you talk about a character not working, um, you know, and just sort of reading the way and how naturally your stories seem to flow and twist, I, I get the I get the sense that a sequel for the sake of a sequel w- wouldn't work so much as that spark would just kind of be yeah. to click in your mind. Yeah, so I would never do a sequel for the sake of a sequel. It would have to be something that really interested me, and I can always do that as a standalone. So I don't, I don't see sequels in my future, but I do get asked a lot. So what, um, what are some things that you're reading? Like, have you read anything recently that just kind of knocked your socks off? Yeah, um, I read. So right now I'm reading the new Abigail Dean book, which isn't out yet, but I had previously read. Girl A, do you know Girl A by Abigail Dean? I loved yep. that book. thought it was brilliant. And I also loved Strange Sally Diamond by Liz Nugent. And I was thinking about that today because they're both about very dysfunctional families. <laughs> they're both very dark, um, very dysfunctional families. And, you know, that's what I find interesting, really. So it's not surprising that I like those two books a lot. I mean, I'm sure there are people who want to read about functional families, you know, and it's always very funny to me. I, I mean, that people want to read about functional families because I guess, I, I don't know, maybe that that might make you feel good. And I apologize if that's your game you know, <laughs> listening to this podcast. But um, it always makes me think about how, you know, like this sort of debate I'd have with my own parents, where sometimes they'd watch something on television, they'd be like, Oh, well, whatever happened to things like Ozzy and Harriet? And I'd be like, Ozzy and Harriet didn't really exist. Like, that was a lot of propaganda for how a family was supposed to be modeled. And, like, a lot of therapists were paid very, very well because families were supposed to be Ozzy and Harriet. And their kids were like, this is not my life. And I think what's interesting now in writing thrillers or in writing any kind of fiction is we've taken that veneer off of, of that, um, that falseness, that, that, that fake propaganda that you describe. Families aren't like that. They never were like that. Um, so we've, we've, we've gotten rid of that layer of falseness. And then there's, then you have the stories that talk about how things really are, but then you have the deeper, darker ones, which is people like me who look more deeply into the darkness. Um, and then you have the Liz Nugents and the Abigail Deans who look even more deeply into the darkness. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of darkness out there. Well, are you working on another book at, um, as we speak, or are you going to take a break? Um, I don't really have time for breaks. I, I do a book a year. So I've already written my next book and it's in with my editors right now and I'll get the edits back soon and, and work on that some more, but it's, it's again, a, a a twisty it's a it's it's set in a rural community this time but it's quite a twisty murder mystery again so it's fun very good well thank you so much um this was a lot of fun thank you for uh writing this book and um thank you for chatting with us oh my pleasure thanks for having me come back sometime 
for the next oh, book. Come back for my next book if you'll have me for sure. Of course. <laughs> All right. This was Jessica with Syosset Public Library's Turn the Page podcast. Our guest today was Sherry LaPena. And we are going to close this chapter of Turn the Page. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode. Thank you.